As you can tell, I still have a cold, so we're going to bear with me if I cough and bear with me if I drink lots of water and love me all the same. <coughs> Excuse me. Would somebody like to come up to uh, lead us in a time of prayer as we listen to God's word? Thanks, Karen. Lord, we ask that you just lay your healing hand on Chelsea and be with her as she delivers your message. And uh, Lord, we ask you that our hearts would be fertile ground for your word. Mm. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. I'll take it for you. So if you want to grab a green Bible, uh, you can do so. They're in the corners of each of the, well, there's the corners of the room. Each of the corners of the room. That's what I meant to say. And turn to page 91. We're going to be reading from Acts chapter 2, if you have your own Bible with you. Just a few verses, Acts 42 to 47. And for those of you who maybe haven't been with us on this journey, we have been, uh, we're ending a series today on learning to become emotionally healthy, spiritual people. We started this series by coming to understand what's at stake for us not growing in emotional and spiritual health. It's not being able to do the will of God in your life. It's not being able to be united with Christ. Because Christ is the Lord of all things. That includes the Lord of your emotions, the Lord of your mind, the Lord of your soul. Christ is the Lord of all things. And we can go deeper in our relationship with him all in all things if we partner with the work of christ through the presence of the holy spirit that's what this prayer we've been praying every week has been about how many of us would rather just be transformed tomorrow right for the things that we know we're not so good at but that's not how god always works sometimes that is how god works But a lot of times he calls us to a particular kind of life so that we can experience growth and learning through our transformation, through the actual journey of the change. And it's a lesson that teaches us about submission, submission to a process, submission to the lordship of Christ, because frankly, it would take it takes a miracle to become that kind of person. And so they are still miracles that we are experiencing with Christ, even if they're not immediate miracles of healing and wholeness and restoration. When God changes us from the inside out because we have submitted to that work of the Holy Spirit, we truly experience the healing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. So the last, so we've been talking about that. In a whole bunch of different ways. We've been looking at pathways to growing in this relationship and in this way with our Lord. And the last one that we're going to look at is called the rule of life. And if you look at your uh, worship folder inserts, you can see a picture to help you understand what a rule of life is. It's this tan-colored sheet with the trellis on it. Because the early church used the rule of life 
and they took the word from the Greek. And the Greek word for rule is actually the same word for trellis. And we have a lot of gardeners in our midst here, right? And gardeners know that trellises guide the growth of a plant so that it will be more fruitful and healthy and sustaining. And also, I find this very interesting to think about for our spiritual life. It keeps the, the, the plant from growing on the ground in such a way that it might want to put down its own roots and become a second plant. And so when Jesus talks about uh, abide in me and all the plants that don't bear fruit will be plucked or cut, right, in John 15 and thrown into the fire, one of the things that he's talking about are plants that are not willing to grow as he has set them to grow or people who have not decided to grow as he has decided we ought to grow but want to become their own Lord. And so they try to put down their own roots and become their own plant of sustainment and life and control. And Jesus is saying, abide in me. Grow on my trellis. Live as I would have you live. So when we have a rule of life, as the early church did, or as Christians around the world still do, we are deciding to grow in a guided particular way. Okay? So let's hear how the early church did this. The earliest of early churches, although the church existed uh, from the beginning of time because it's wherever God's people are, are the church. But the first followers of Jesus as a community, and Peter has just preached his sermon, and multitudes of people are coming to faith in Jesus. And then we read this that describes what they made their community be about. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Just going to move that water a little closer. So they devoted themselves to studying the apostles' teaching, to growing in knowledge about the message of Jesus. They devoted themselves to fellowship, which means sharing with one another in all areas of life, to the breaking of bread, which includes meals as well as the Lord's Supper, so the sacrament that Jesus gave the the disciples, and the prayers to caring in front of God and with God about things. These four devoted, committed activities that shaped the life of their community, that guided their growth as God had set it before them. Because look what happens. The apostles continue to do signs and wonders that draw people's attention to the work of Jesus. So it continues to bring people into the community 
and because of what the guided growth had, was producing in the community, there was a place for them to go. There was a place for them to continue to learn about this Jesus. There was a place for them to build relationships with other people who could encourage them along the way. There was a place for them to go to receive prayer and to learn how to pray in the way that Jesus would have them pray. There was a way for them to get their needs met so that there was less physical things to worry about in their growth with the community of faith. Day by day, this community would continue to go about their daily life. So remember, these are people who are just coming to learn the story of Jesus. And so they're coming from an older, they're coming from another religious experience. They still go to the temple. They don't just completely wash out their Jewishness as they learn what it means to follow Jesus. They're people on the way of learning. We are reading this, you know, 2,000 years later, right? And our experience of religion has been developed because of what they did and the, the apostles' teaching being built upon and continued to be shared. But they were still part of this other religious tradition. And so they continued in their everyday life of going to the temple. But God used what was happening for them as a community to be a witness in the temple. God used what was happening and they, as they grew in the way that God was guiding them to grow through these four things, for them to be a witness to the public about the truth and the work of Christ. In their everyday setting, they became a prophetic voice in the way that they lived together. I also need to work on not being so excited. Because day by day they were in the temple and at night they were building relationships with one another, breaking bread together, sharing possessions together, making sure that there wasn't anybody in their community who had need. And when that sort of thing happens, it's noticed. And sometimes we experience this noticing in a bad way. Like the deacons will tell you when somebody finds out that we're giving help to somebody, sometimes we get a lot of extra calls. Because people notice when you help others. People notice that kind of witness in a very individualized culture of me. People notice when you choose to live as a we. People notice that kind of witness. People notice when you break bread together, when you build relationships with one another. People notice because they find it. I want to be it. I want to be in it. People notice because God is drawing their attention to it. And so as this community was guided in their growth through the apostles' teaching, through fellowship with one another, through the breaking of bread, and through prayer, God added to their numbers daily added to the number of people who are doing these kinds of works and living as a witness. This is how God guided the church to become the church as we know it. This is how God guided the growth of his community of faith. And this is how God continues to guide the growth of his community of faith. Through a rule of life, 
that's very simple and sometimes challenging for us to live into, isn't it? Some might say, actually, that our church has kind of named its rule of life, its guide for growth over the next little while or stage of development. To be people who are seeking to spiritually grow at no matter what age we are. To be people who are building relationships with one another. To be people who want to share ministry and leadership together in a way that is kind of talked about in this passage, isn't it? Of not of making sure that where there is need, we share responsibility for meeting those needs. So that we can be a more faithful and prophetic witness in reaching out in our community. As God gathers and provides and brings people in to this place, what are we going to be known for? What is God guiding our growth in? That's the question that we asked when we asked God, what were the next steps for our community? And so those have become, that has become our trellis for all of the different activities that ministries of our church and the leadership get involved in. Those are the things that we think about. Are we growing in the way that Christ would have us grow? So rules of life can be for communities, but they can also be great tools for you to use as an individual. (coughs) Excuse me. Oh, first, one more thing about community. Uh, I read this this week and I thought it was too good not to share. So this is from Scott McKnight. Fellowship is spiritual. Fellowship is social. Fellowship is also financial. That's what we read in this scripture passage. But fellowship is not something we create. It is the result of God's work in us. When God's people live in fellowship with one another... When they do life together, the church embodies the gospel of King Jesus. The church embodies the kingdom values of our Lord. And people respond to the gospel about Jesus. You responded to the gospel. Most of us have responded to the gospel of Jesus because that's what's brought us here to this place, isn't it? But when we live as witnesses as a community through our fellowship, we are encouraging more people to respond to the good news of the kingdom of God, which is not just the gift of salvation, which is the gift of life even now, which is the gift of transformation even now, which is the gift of growth and health and goodness even now. That is the gift of the kingdom of God in our midst. That is the gift of the King Jesus, who died not just to send you to heaven, but to change your life and bring union with him even now. This is the good news, that we have the power and the privilege through the Spirit of God, who is equipping us for this work, to give to the world around us. Amen? All right. So how, can, how, might, how might we grow in that? How might we get there? Well, P. Scazzaro in his book talks about four things that a rule of life does. The first is that 
why it's a good tool for us to use. The first is that it keeps the love of Jesus first in our life. The first is that it draws us to experience the love of Christ as well as to share the love of Christ. Remember a few weeks ago when we looked at the book of Daniel or the story of Daniel praying the daily offices and that whirlwind of a blizzard that surrounded him and his life in a foreign kingdom being put in the, in the circumstances beyond his control, Daniel had some practices in his life that kept him anchored to God, one of which was praying three times a day at set hours to remind himself that God was present in all of his circumstances. And so the second thing that a rule of life does is it anchors us to receive that love of God because it builds into our practices and our routines activities where we are forced, if we partner with the Holy Spirit, to receive it. I'll give you some examples in a little bit. Third, it sets us up to intentionally follow Jesus, to provide opportunities where we intentionally act in this relationship, in submission and in partnership. And it helps us to understand the ways that we are just an autopilot, right? The habits that we don't even know we have because it's just how we live our lives. And it helps to break those habits. And fourth, it makes us prophetic witnesses in a world that is looking for truth and thinks it can find it on its own. It makes us witnesses to the gospel and what we read in these pages of scripture of what God truly would rather have for us in our life, in our families, in our church, and in our communities. What God truly would rather have for his world. So four key things that a good rule of life can help you do in terms of helping you to grow an emotionally healthy spirituality. Now, the Apprentice of Jesus series ends in part three with writing a rule of life. And most of the time when we do that activity, we find out that we tried to put too many things in it. We try to make too many changes too quickly. So I'm going to share with you and I asked them, but nobody wanted to volunteer. Uh, I'm going to share with you about my rule of life. And uh, hopefully that'll help kind of give you a picture. So my rule of life includes four things, along with my normal practices of being a Christian follower of Jesus, living the way that he would want me to live, uh, seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance, and trying to live into my createdness by our good and gracious Father. My, my four things have to do with areas that, through prayer and discernment and listening to people who are wiser than myself, have told me that I have an invitation to grow with Jesus in. So sometimes you can't understand the areas where you need to grow because you have an autopilot problem and you're totally unaware. And sometimes people in your life are afraid to tell you the truth because one of your autopilots is to not receive it well right? Like that's just the truth of the matter for most of us. It's just the truth of the matter. So my four uh, spiritual workouts are, so there's lots of names, rhythm of life, rule of life, spiritual workout, have to do with some particular things that I want to work on in this season of my life. So it changes. It doesn't always have to be the same. And they happen at different intervals. 
So two of them happen weekly, one of them happens monthly, and one of them happens daily, hopefully. And these are not the only things that I do in my spiritual life, okay? So make sure you know that. But those other things are kind of part of my autopilot, which means I don't necessarily need to name them in my spiritual workout because I'm trying to grow in a guided, specific way in some specific areas. So one of the things in my spiritual workout is to spend Monday morning in solitude, not at the office, in solitude with God, in prayer, in listening, in devotional reading of scripture, so where I try to imagine myself in the scriptural stories, so what I can experience the transformative work of God in that text, whatever it might be, uh, to spend time uh, reading and reflecting. But mostly I try to spend it in that reflective of with scripture time. My second thing that I do weekly is Saturday mornings. I have said no TV until after 12 o'clock because I tend to get up and like to watch TV on the weekends, especially catching up on all the shows that have loaded up in my DVR. But what happens is I wanted to create a margin on Saturday so that I had an opportunity, if it arose, to do something else in that time that wasn't about me and also provided me opportunity to stretch myself to grow in some practices or some skills that I want to learn but haven't made time for anywhere else. Okay? So the third that I do is I meet monthly with a spiritual director who asks me questions that I don't like but are good for me. A good example from this last week, we were talking about... uh, something in my life and about uh, this whole idea of that Jesus transforms us in the hard places. And so she was asking me about why I don't want to go into that place to do some work with God. And I said, well, because it's so much work. And she said, that's not an answer. I said, what do you mean it's not an answer to feel like it's too much work? She said, it's because, because when it feels like it's too much work, it's because it's hitting on something else that you need to address and work on in your life. You feel like it's too much work because there's something in you that needs to change to be able to do that work. So a spiritual workout is part of helping you to do that change in order to do the work that God has called you to do, okay? And then the fourth one is something that I try to do daily. And I don't say this so that you'll give me more compliments. Uh, But I am trying to work on receiving and celebrating and not just forgetting nice things that people say to me. Because I'm trying to grow and seeing myself as God sees me through other people. About my person and who I am as a daughter of the beloved. And as a follower of Jesus who have brothers and sisters who appreciate her and love her and want to see her grow. So as I try to grow in that, I try to take a moment when somebody says something nice to me and repeat it to myself in my head so that I make sure that I heard it. And I have some people in my life who will catch me if I don't. So that's good. So those are just four areas of my life that I have a rule of life that I'm trying to grow in some specific things because I believe not only has God guided me to them and naming them for me as areas of growth, but he is asking me to commit myself to growing in those areas. Just as he asked the church to commit themselves to growing in the knowledge of the message of the apostles, which is about our Savior and all that he has to offer us, 
just as he asked the early church to commit themselves to one another in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayer, seeking God's face in all circumstances and times, whether we're alone or in community. Because this life with God is not going to happen on its own, my friends. A covenant is a relationship, a partnership, where the trustworthy one invites us to seek his transformation. But transformation comes and growth comes by actually experiencing it. And God calls us to responsible lives of growing in these areas. And the gift that we receive is union with Christ in these things. The gift that I will receive when I can actually receive compliments is understanding how much the love of Jesus surrounds me and how much Jesus himself loves me. And I won't be ashamed or embarrassed or wonder about what he's thinking about my flaws. The gift of spending time in solitude on Monday mornings is is discerning and learning that practice of being able to quiet the noise around me so that I can hear the voice of God and to know his good and pleasing and perfect will, not only for me, but for our community. The gift of meeting with the spiritual director is learning from the wisdom of those whom God has placed in my life as a gift of standing on the shoulders of my spiritual mothers and fathers and being united with the church across time and place. And the gift of Saturday margin is to learn things about myself and to grow in some skills that will give me joy and and recreation and purpose and fun, which is the gift of life from our God. So as we go into a time of silence, I invite you to look on the back of your um, worship folder inserts there and to spend a few minutes thinking through areas to consider how you've guided your growing, to think about where you might have some places, and you can even ask God to help you identify the places where he's inviting you to more. And then that way you can put together your own rule of life or rhythm of life or spiritual workout or whatever you want to call it and experience a union with Christ like you have not experienced before. So shall we pray? Lord, as we enter this time, we continue to say, speak for your servants are listening. We are eager to hear opportunities to experience fullness of life with you. And without overburdening ourselves, we ask you to guide our growth even now.